0: A couple of months ago, I flew all the way from Hawaii to London to meet the man that started London Real. I joined this academy for the sole purpose of learning how to broadcast my own video podcasts. Brian Rose started London Real four years ago and ever since has generated millions of views and had many interviews put under his belt. A series of synchronicities and Flow enable me to land Mr. Rose on Flow Real TV. In this episode two, I have the honor to present to you Mr. Rose, escaping the Alcatraz mind. Hi everybody, this is Tony Floreal, and welcome to Floreal here filming in San Francisco. Before I want to uh, introduce my guests, I want to uh, give you a little quote from uh, an author that wrote the book Talking Story, and in this quote, basically encapsulates what this show is about in terms of talking stories. So she says, uh, Marie Rose family of Talking Story. In Hawaii, when an invitation is extended, the host or hostess will say, come over and let's talk story. Talking story is about taking the time to linger over the details of the mundane, to ponder the realms of the profound, and to surrender any structure of time or agenda. It is practicing the art of listening and of being present. So that's basically what Flow Reel is about. It's about meeting with people and talking stories. I am now extending the Hawaiian spirit of talking story to my guest, Mr. Brian Rose. Rose. (laughs) Brian Rose is the founder and host of London Reel and Silicon Reel. He started these shows nearly four years ago with just a couple of webcams out of his flat in the Shoreditch District of London. Millions of views later, some of his guests include astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, six-time Mr. Olympian Dorian Yates, British MP George Galloway, Pulitzer Prize author Jared Diamond, and YouTube sensation Mimi Icon. A few months ago, Brian gave a ted talk titled why i left millions in banking to inspire millions online recently he started london real academy to help others build the best you welcome to flow real mr rose
1: (laughs) awesome man um thanks so much for having me that's an incredible introduction uh you know i thought i was good introductions but that was pretty (laughs) That was pretty impressive so
0: awesome so how's it been um being on vacation in the san francisco bay area uh you came here with your family about almost two weeks ago i believe
1: yeah i've been here i think about 10 days i've got the family here uh we had a, a meetup about a week ago i think it was for the academy so that was incredible i've got family in town my sister lives here she's got a new baby my dad flew up so it's been crazy i just had so much good vibrations um i forgot who said it but I find with vacations, it's not the where you go, but it's the who you see. And so, if you ever think about a memorable vacation, it's usually because of a person, or because of a personal interaction you had, not because of the of the postcard you bought or the museum you went to. Um, and so, like what I try to do now is on my vacations, I try to think, what it's the who. The who, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so just like being in London, so far away from most of your family, because you grew up in California, San Diego. Uh, Been away from the States for what like 13 14 years now. Yeah, it's
1: been like 13 years. Oh two So it's coming up. uh, Yeah, so 13 years this run Um, So I don't get back here very much Um, You know, I'm from Southern California, but I chose to come to San Francisco for a bunch of reasons I mean, uh, I was here four months ago. I really liked it Uh, I wanted to go and take uh, Gabby my 11 year old to Yosemite because my mom took me uh, kicking and screaming you know, when I was 10 years old to Yosemite and I didn't want to go and, but like being in a national park, I think it plants a seed.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so did you guys actually go camping?
1: Uh, no, we didn't camp proper. Okay. We, uh, uh, I don't think we were ready to make that leap. <laughs> Mariana wasn't in the camping zone. So uh, but, but we stayed near the national parks and then spent a lot of time like hiking and going through all the pieces. And so uh, it was funny. I was just talking to Mariana a couple of days ago and we were like, will Gabby bring her kids when she's, you know, 40 or 30? Yeah. So uh, we'll see, you know, the, uh, there was some great documentaries about John Muir and the national parks that were made um, maybe 15 years ago and they're amazing pieces of work. And um, they were talking about how these things really humble you. So seeing like a sequoia tree that's 3,000 years old or seeing half dome, it's like a way of, you. Sh- uh, it's, a, it's like a subtle way of maybe a psychedelic experience as in like you are shown how tiny you are and how insignificant you are. And it's just a way to kind of reflect upon what your point is in life. And, you know, I I went to the Grand Canyon a few years ago and I and everyone's got the cliche about looking at the Grand Canyon. But I I stared into it and uh, Mariana was with me and I just had this like,
0: wow. So a sense of awe, basically. Yeah. Yeah, And
1: I just sense of like you're here for such a short, brief period of time next to this canyon that was carved out for like five thousand years. And you're just this little nothing speck. And I, I didn't feel it doesn't make me feel sad. It just feels makes me feel humbled. Makes me feel like I got things I need to do, and uh, makes me feel like what am I gonna be remembered for? Um, so, that's how my... long
0: did it take for the monkey mind to like get quiet? So you get there, and, and in my experience, the monkey mind's just going off. You're thinking about work back home, and then at certain point, it's just like you're in the sweet spot of nature and all.
1: Yeah, it took me some days. I mean, at least I was in San Francisco first, so I wasn't thinking about London Real 24-7, but it probably took a day, two days into Yosemite, and then it was just like... Plus when you're hiking, too, and you're kind of exhausted, and you're just around all this stuff. So, so yeah, a couple days, um, but that, that, that's important.
0: So at the um, San Francisco focus group, when we just first got together and you just come back from Alcatraz that day and we're talking about the Alcatraz of our mind yeah, and how that was kind of like a metaphor for um, trying to access like our peak experiences and flow state. So, you know, what was that like being in Alcatraz and how does that relate to like your own mind of like entrapping yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. And of course, only you
1: would bring that up. You know, when I told you about Alcatraz, you're like, yeah, man, but how many of us are living in our own prisons in our own minds? And I was like, that's deep. Uh, (laughs) You know, again, my mom took me to Alcatraz when I was like 10 years old. She took us on a big road trip up California. It was myself, my brother and my sister and just her. She was kind of like a new single parent. And she decided she was going to be like super mom kind of like your mom yeah yeah, I met your mom at the focus group Zenny she's amazing but like my mom when uh, my parents divorced uh, she just had a mission I think she was like I'm gonna try to create the greatest kids ever and that means they're gonna read they're gonna travel they're gonna try to go to the best colleges all that stuff and so yeah she just packed us up and drove I remember driving up to San Francisco and we went to Alcatraz probably when I was around a similar age maybe 10 or something and they locked us in solitary confinement in d-block in the hole and i remember them walking us in block. yeah and they back then they used to give tours there were no audio tours back then because i'm old so that's like <laughs> the 30 some years ago and uh and i remember being like wow and this time you could walk in there and um yeah i, I really enjoyed alcatraz because it's almost like a museum you know it's like a snapshot in time it's almost like a madman era snapshot because it's 1963 when it was closed so all the guys had mad men harris care and yeah. The place feels architecturally kind of weird, um, but then you go into D Block, which was 24/7 solitary confinement. I mean, one guy didn't leave there for two years, like these cells. And so, and then there's the hole where you go, where there's no, um, you know, no, no lights, you know, no place to sleep, just a, you know, just of the floor just and the floor. and a hole. So, uh, yeah, and and it was funny on the audio tour. One of the guys said, you know, he used to sit there in the pitch dark, and he would have these uh you know visions in his mind and going these these trips around the world while he was in the hole and i was just thinking about that like um and then i came and talked to you that night and you were like yeah man but like some of these these people in prison might have been more free than some of us on earth because we're all locked up in our own minds i can't do this um i'm too scared to do this um what will my parents say if i do this and um you know it's funny is it? it's it's we, we we get so locked up into what other people think and most people don't care yeah. you know it's funny it's like you know when people come out of the closet people are like oh okay whatever like no one really cares what you do but you
0: think everyone cares and that's been your experience like as you gone on and evolved with your own show and you kind of come out of the closet with some of the things that you've done including like psychedelics and what was the reactions? Because you probably thought, like, "Oh my gosh, I'm probably gonna get arrested for this," or all kinds of things. What was the stories running in your head? Hey.
1: Yeah, I was really paranoid about um, our ayahuasca challenge. You know, it was one of the early things we did on the show. Maybe ten or twelve episodes in, uh, my co-host was like challenging me to ayahuasca, uh, which I don't think it's something to challenge someone to. But you know, it was something that we that, that actually helped. Get get me to actually do it and once I was going to do it for the show then I had to follow through yeah. um, But I was really hesitant because I figured uh, That I could never go back to banking like the Bank of England all the regulatory people if I openly talked about uh, Psychedelics, they might not ever
0: let me so back you're burning, in. Your, you're ship burning right your ship right there
1: I, I figured you know, but I, I didn't think that much about it, but I yeah. did think about it, but you know, it's funny you might be burning a bridge, but maybe that bridge needs to be burned, you know? Right. It's like, so like, who am I kidding? Like I never was gonna go back anyways. Like I couldn't go back. Yeah. So in a way it's almost uh, freeing to do something like that because yeah, it's like, it's like well, now you can't go back. So now you have to forge forward. Like the backup plan, like I think it was Eric Thomas, who had the hip hop preacher. Yeah. He's amazing by the way. And um, I was really fortunate to have him in the studio. And I think he said, uh, Plan B. Don't have a Plan B. He's like, don't have a Plan B. You know, everyone always says to have a Plan B, but when you have a Plan B, you hedge your bets and you don't go all in, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so, in a way, it was really liberating when I talked about it. And then, and again, once we start being who we really are, like yeah. that's the only way you can really be. And so, first of all, we got tons of credibility for it. I think um, it was totally congruent to who I was. I think if any, if if you're ever hiding something, people feel it. I mean, you know, you've been around people and you don't know something's just not right and they're just not maybe telling you something, maybe, you know, something about themselves and they haven't been open. And with ayahuasca, since it's out there, it's like, I don't even have to worry about it. Right. So, like, if something comes up or if I'm invited to this or a TED Talk, it's like, it's, it's on YouTube, it's been watched 800,000 times, my DMT show. <laughs> so, it's like, I can't hide it anymore. Um, it's funny, Dan Pena, the $50 billion man, he used to be like, Brian this is this isn't good this isn't good branding for you Mm. and then I remember one point I said or Dan or is it my USP you know is it my IP that I'm the guy that was open about psychedelics and and maybe that gives me maybe that actually helps my my character or my show and um, you know and and Joe Rogan was one of the original guys to really be open about that stuff and so um, but yeah I was thinking about that and uh, I had to just like get out of that mindset and uh it's helped me a lot and just look at guys like james altucher that was on my show he talks about you know everything he talks about losing a million dollars a day being you know you know drinking too much doing drugs screwing his life up over and over again and
0: and people embrace him for. and he just looks like kind of a nerdy looking dude that you know amazingly done all this stuff in his life failed a lot yeah and now he's where he's at just because he's been so open and people relate to that relate to that
1: yeah Super vulnerable, and like he starts every article out with like how he screwed up, or how he didn't do this right, or how he messed this up, and people relate to that. You know, people want something real these days. They want something genuine. Everybody screws up in their life. Um, You know, it's funny. We had this Stampena event at the Ritz in London, and you probably saw footage on the Academy of it. And it's it's 34 guys dressed up in suits and ties at the Ritz Hotel in London. And people say, oh yeah, those guys, they have they have everything together. And I'm like, I read all their bios, man. Everybody has a messed up story. Everybody screwed up their family. Everyone had problems with substances, everyone. So it's like, as soon as we all just get over that, start talking about it, then
0: I, I think it'll be okay. So how have, you, how have you felt now that you have like been open about many things that you've been keeping inside? How has that felt? How does that feel for you like mentally and Going forth in your life, and you know, what what does that
1: feel like to you? Just oh, just being open about all those things Um, just helps. And I mean, I think I'm learning as well. I mean, if you look at the history of London Real, like I didn't talk much like in the first year, you know, and even the second year. and people were always like, what's his story? Because I wasn't like talking about myself all the time. So uh, I've been slow to talk about how I feel about things and me, uh, but it's been nothing but good for me.
0: Well, part of you wanted to hear like other people's stories. So you were just like a really good listener in that way. But was part of you like kind of like a little bit shy not to reveal too too much or? Yeah, definitely.
1: I think like, I think London Real was a therapy tool for me. It really was, because yeah. like it wasn 't started as a business or anything. I just started broadcasting myself a- out of a need you know to, to express yourself maybe or um, i don 't know what the hell it was, yeah. yeah, or even it was even therapeutic for me to listen to other people 's stories, to be around other people, um, so for me it 's constant learning experience i 'm still learning i 'm by no means a black belt at this, uh, nor do I want to be, um, and i 'm learning every day how to flow better. How to be more open, how to be more forgiving, be more grateful. So, like, I'm so learning.
0: You met Belt and you got into like jiu jitsu and, you know, being around people over the years with like doing interviews and, and feeling energy. Yeah. So, what's the transfer between doing the talk show and also jiu jitsu of, of sort of learning to roll and like be in flow and like, Feel people's energy, especially jujitsu. You're really close, and you're feeling nuances. And then speaking to people live. Yeah. it's
1: a good, great question. Really good. You, you, you've rolled jujitsu before. I did a few times. Okay. Yeah, at uh, yeah. Eddie Bravo's place. Oh, he so, did. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, Eddie Bravo, two-time guest on London Real. That boy's crazy, man. Uh, Eddie's great. <laughs> he's got so many good stories. Uh, he's yeah. got a good podcast as well. Um, that boy has so many stories, and they're all good. Um, you know, jujitsu yeah yeah he's 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 done so much stuff and he's really done great with his 10th planet and he's really built it up impressively um but no jujitsu you know i started training jujitsu when i was like 32 years old i had moved to london and a buddy of mine told me to check it out this is kind of pre-ufc i think it was ufc 37 that was in london 38 was royal albert hall in 2002 that i went to but it was a tiny sport and i was rolling jujitsu and for me who's normally a tense person and maybe a control freak you know, jiu jitsu and martial arts is just exactly what I needed because it's all about um, feeling the energy, relaxing when you're in a combat situation, um, going with the flow. Uh, you know, in jiu jitsu, you can't tense up, you can't try to force things, you can't try to muscle things. That's when you, yeah, if you're ever trying to muscle a submission in jiu jitsu, then it's wrong. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so, I mean, I trained for eight years with, with one guy in London who's amazing, who's on my show. Um and uh it's uh it, it helped me a lot with that energy. And a bunch of our initial guests were people we knew from jujitsu. Okay and jujitsu guys are always cool because yeah. if you're willing to train jujitsu, you're willing to go in week after week and get tapped out. And um a lot of guys aren't willing to be tapped out, which basically means you're saying, You won. That's what it is. You won and you could have just killed me there, basically. Uh and now I'm gonna come back in and try again. And in the jujitsu mat, there's always someone that's better than you, Mm -hmm. and so you have to come in and have an open mind. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be uh, humble. And so we found a bunch of our early guests were were jujitsu guys, and they're just always cool. Mm -hmm. People think fighters are aggressive, and it's almost the opposite. the The most gentlest handshakes are from uh, fighters. They're always really humble, really calm. um, From from what I've found. And boxers might be different or the whole Floyd Mayweather stuff. Right, right. But like MMA guys and jiu-jitsu guys are all very humble, very cool. So
0: how did that like transfer over to like doing London Real and interacting with the guests?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think just just martial arts just helped me just get out of my head and just get more into probably real flow state, really just being present. You know, when you're training and you're fighting, you have to be present. You know, when you're in a Thai boxing or a rolling jiu-jitsu match, there's nothing else you can think of. I think that I really needed that. Yeah. So again, like I know you, this is you know flow real and it's all about the flow state, which is it's something I talk about that much on London Real, and uh, I'd like to talk about it more. I know Absolutely. Dave Asprey has talked about it a bit yeah. on his show, yeah. and um, I, so I think Jujitsu helped me flow. I think it helped me probably interact with people more, um, interact with different people, and uh, I guess that's what I guess that's what a show is all about. Feeling energy, yeah. I feel people's energy like in a big way. On London Reel, and like I can feel someone's energy very quickly. I notice a lot of things about people, about how they talk, how they answer questions, what they what they want to talk about, what they don't want to talk about. Um, so, but most of the time on London Reel, what you see on camera is exactly what it's like. Okay. Very few times people are like really like nasty before the show. That doesn't really happen. Or people yeah. are like where's the makeup? Usually, we pre-select people that are already kind of curated to be cool to be on my show but but um but yeah
0: so what about just um you know people like coming in and then after they're done with the show I remember you had mentioned sometimes they're not like congruent with the message that they had on the show you had seen that a few times before
1: you know sometimes sometimes, uh like it's funny because You know these people have public profiles, and so and everyone does. I mean, people watching this show probably only know me from London Real, and you know that's not me all the time. Like I just I have whatever 200 or 300 shows out there of me interviewing all these people that you just mentioned, which I forgot a lot of these interviews, like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Dorian Yates. I mean, for me, they were all just one step in a long journey that, in retrospect, looks like I guess maybe an impressive journey, but for me, it was just like one. They're just one conversation after the, the next conversation, so for me they're the same. But um, most people, I'd say most people are pretty cool. Sometimes you know you'll find that you'll have them on the show and then you will just lose touch with them later. Okay. Or you know that you know for me it's a real personal interaction for London real. So like I almost become like close to the person during the show. Yeah. But for some people it's a part of a long media stop. So okay. you have to kind of keep in mind you know some people it's thus or the BBC or next week it's this or that. You know, but a lot of times I'll take a real personal interest in people when they come on. So, uh, so, but you know, over the past four years, I mean, most of the people, you know, I can get on the phone to and talk to. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's been pretty positive.
0: Let's get a little more into uh, flow stories now. Yeah, and so yeah. uh, basically like, what is the most profound flow state that you remember well, in your life uh, where you just really felt superhuman? It's a great question.
1: And it's funny, I was driving the car here from Napa today just thinking, i like, oh, I guess we should, I should know something about flow if we're on this show. Um, you know, I am probably the worst person when it comes to naturally flowing. But then again, you probably think that that's a, probably a ridiculous statement, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, you I. Everybody has the moment. Everybody has the potential oh, yeah. to flow, just why everyone, everyone is an artist and everyone is all of these things. I think the worst thing we do is self talk, like with Gabby. Like she says, I'm not good at math. Like that's, that's already, you've already lost most of the battle yeah. by the self-talk. So I just did what I shouldn't do. So yes, I can flow. Um, like martial arts is probably the first time where I really felt like I was flowing. You know, when you're really into a jujitsu session and you're even closing your eyes and you're just doing what you should do and not overthinking it, like that's like a great way of flow. Um, I think when I used to work in the city in finance, you know, sometimes you're really in the flow. Um there's like so many things happening and you're watching the screens and people are shouting over boxes and you're watching your colleagues and you're just making these split second decisions, you know, buying and selling or telling someone to do this. And, you know, I remember being in that flow and it's just it is an amazing state to be in hard to recreate. Yeah. Um, I've had I've had episodes where I'm in the flow, you know, one my episode with Peter Sage or. A lot of times I can get in the flow
0: yeah I was gonna ask you about like being on your show and then certain people maybe bring it out their energy and then and then after the show you're like whoa that was amazing like yeah something happened there and and it almost feels like uh, at least for me that like I'm observing the whole thing while it's actually happening
1: yeah and that's incredible like people forget that in a show like this or a show like mine you know it's one take and there's no edits so like it's it's like a play that's played once you know and a lot of times people I haven't met before i mean I met you but uh, i haven't met 98 percent of my guests before they come in so it's a really tricky thing to get right and a lot of times they're nervous i got eight cameras in the studio i got lights um, they've been thinking about it they're like oh london real i got this many people oh you know it made peter sage super famous it made the 10 50 billion dollar man got him back on the mat all this stuff and they come in and they don't know me That's hard to be in a flow state when there's a lot at stake, you know. I think that's probably the way not to be in flow.
0: But they also say that uh, the higher the risk, the bigger the flow potential.
1: There you go. See, that's why you're an expert. And that makes sense to me too because um, after I shoot a big episode, you know, then that's where all the endorphins start flowing in. Like, wow, we pulled it off. We did it. I remember after Neil deGrasse Tyson, when I walked out of that hotel in Soho with my footage... Like I was flying, like flying. <laughs> I got back and I was just like. Oh. Um, so yeah, that the odds can really stack things up. And then sometimes I've been in the flow. And like with, for example, Peter Sage, you know, I had never met Peter. Peter, Peter had never met me. We didn't know what we were going to talk about. And we just started flowing. And that episode has been so well received because I think they felt the flow of me and him. It, it wasn't necessarily me and it wasn't necessarily Peter. It was like they felt our flow. Because... Peter had said those ideas before and I had interviewed other people before but there was something about people feeling the flow and that's why I always try to remind guests when they come on is that if if I'm interested in the guest and we have this awesome conversation then it's great show if uh, you just regurgitate or I just regurgitate ideas that are great you know it could be okay but it's not going to be like that powerful piece yeah
0: I, know. I remember Dorian Yates had mentioned that at the last show like all right Brian let's just forget all this other stuff let's just talk yeah. from the heart yeah
1: because our first show with dorian was again uh just flow I mean, he didn't know who we were he didn't we didn't know who he was and we just flo- we, we flowed and i listened to that back and it was almost like you couldn't have scripted that thing any better as far as the beats that it kept hitting and, you know, it's our most watched episode, like 2 million plus views, uh, go figure. And it yeah. was still the old three-camera setup, you know, like webcam. Yeah. So, again, it wasn't the production value. It
0: yeah, was, yeah. It was and you way. had mentioned that in a pre-roll earlier. Yeah. You know, it's not about, like, your basically, like, your um, all your equipment and your setup. It's basically the story that really captures the audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, once you have basic audio and some decent video, then it can just, then, then it's all about, the content and then the interaction so but you know I don't know how I get into the flow state I can do all these things to set myself up to be there um, and I don't know you probably know a lot more about this than me but I'm guessing you know if you have certain things happening like say you have like a siren going off or someone coming around and beating you up every 10 minutes it's probably hard to get into a flow state but like in my set I used to kick everybody out of the studio that means girlfriends that means agents that means everyone I used to set the cameras up myself which makes my operation look smaller, but like it also makes it more intimate. So Mm -hmm. I try to set it up to be the greatest possibility of a flow state. Um, But honestly, Tony, I'm still learning, you know, I I need to take my notes and throw them away. Um, You know, Neil Strauss, who wrote the book, um, The Game, uh, he's a a famous writer and he's interviewed so many people for Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, it's like huge names. And he always says that he writes down all of his questions on a piece of paper and then right before the interview he takes up and folds it up and puts it in his pocket. As in, so he wants to be prepared but doesn't wanna be focusing on his notes. Yeah. So like I try to do that. I keep them with me on my tablet uh-huh. these days just in case because like in a two hour or three hour interview sometimes you need to be make make sure you don't miss something. Right. I still regret that I didn't ask George Galloway about um, Fidel Castro. Okay. And like, but you know, that's me. i kicking myself after like a great interview I was like, about Castro. I mean, how many guys?
0: Are but aren't you gonna have him on this show? Yeah, he's yeah. coming back. Yeah. so I'll ask no. him again. Yeah. No, you're right. Well said. Yeah, that's that's like yeah. flow. Yeah. In in a, in a nutshell, or like in hindsight, where you know you may have missed something, but just like how we even met, I've considered that like a flow moment too, right. or a flowment. And um, you know, when you kick yourself, it's almost like you'll get that other opportunity if you just let go.
1: Right, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, that is a great way of flowing. Uh, like my, an old jujitsu black belt of mine said, uh, submissions are like buses. You know, if you miss one, just wait for the next one. Yeah. So like that's a total flow state to be in. So you're right. Why am I kicking myself about asking Galloway a question that I can ask him again? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the perfectionism can kill maybe a flow state. Absolutely. You know, in that way. Can you, can you briefly talk about the story of how you met me and how you were in flow? <laughs> because you could have you almost met me, you could have forced a meeting with me, and yet you didn't feel right. But I feel like you should tell people that. Yes. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Sorry. I mean, um, so I, obviously I've been following you for, I think it's close to two years now. And I okay. and, uh, had heard about you on Joe Rogan and was intrigued by the name London Real, because in my whole life, as my mom always taught me, just be yourself, just be real. And uh, so... I watched that episode and I really liked what you guys were saying and just kind of kept up with it. And then uh, long story short, you were coming to California to be at the Ty Lopez event. And I really wanted to meet you. I've actually like emailed you a couple of times telling you about starting Flowreel. And um, I remember watching some of your videos, you're like, just start it. Like, don't ask me about, like, what equipment to get or what editing software It's Basically, you need to figure it out yourself because that's how I did it. And it's basically like a way to eliminate the chumps from the real deal. Right. So I I wrote wrote that that on the the site. site. Yeah, Yeah, you wrote that on the website. So uh, I went there. I saw you, Um, you know, obviously, like everybody was crowding around you. They wanted to meet you. I I just kind of like kept my my distance distance and and knowing flow I just waited for like the opening. And too many people around you, I knew you were jet lagged. I wasn't wasn't expecting that many people to want to talk to me so that was strange for me. Uh, It was pretty cool to see And, and then basically I just let go and then that first night I was leaving the seminar. And I just happened to like look up as I was crossing the street and Hollywood Boulevard. Boulevard, And there you were, yeah, midnight, you were taking photos, probably like a little like a selfie video, you know, I'm just kind of for London real. And, and um, I knew you were tired and I I just felt like I was going to meet you. There's going to be another opportunity. And, and I just yelled out Brian Rose as you, you crossed the street and we like high fived and and <laughs> I just like hopped on the subway and went home, and and uh, the next day was the the event again, and you know again like people are just swarming you, and right. and um, I just uh, had the opportunity the final night as uh, the the seminar ended. You you walked by as I was like I was talking to a, a couple uh, gentlemen, and then as I was finishing the conversation. I saw you walking by and a girl came up to me at that moment and was like, what is this seminar about? This is intriguing, can you tell me? And you're there on the corner and I was like trying to tell her as fast as I could. And then like the moment I finished, I turned and like you disappeared. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna run over to where you were. So I went over the corner and then there, there was two elevators, and I was like, and and you had vanished. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, I missed my opportunity, right? But in my mind, I just knew that somewhere, sometime, it was gonna happen. And uh, and then of course, you you started the uh, London Real Academy, and I figured this would be the place where I would learn how to do like camera setups. And in a few days from now. And that was pretty much like one of the biggest things I wanted to get out of the academy and, and maybe even interact with you. And and then there was the opportunity to do a focus group in London. And at that time I decided, uh, during that time I moved to Hawaii and uh, just realized like this was home. And had a lot of resistance about going to this focus group that was coming up. I had reserved it two months in advance. And... You know, the time came and it was like I was on the hot seat and I was like, you know what, man, this is the time. I feel it. And I knew I knew that despite the resistance, if I just pushed through, everything would work out. And and you already know, like we already told this story, but I ran into like every kind of resistance on the way and trying to get to London, trying to get to London and and uh, finally met you. and, And you were like kind of like whoa wait a minute you came all the way here just for me and i'm like yeah <laughs> pretty much that's what i did yeah, did, yeah. So. and it
1: was a big move and uh so like we started hearing through nura and a community manager that you were coming and then when you got there you stood up at the focus group and you told your story and it was like wait a second who is this guy we started to feel your vibe everyone right away was like we you know we like tony we like you know your great vibration great story and so but like i didn't realize there had been that crazy history and, you know, and, and I'm so glad it happened the way it did because, like, at Ty's thing, like, I was, like, I, I barely wake. I remember high-fiving you, but, like, I was, like, barely pushing through. And the only reason I was even at dinner is because, like, I was, like, you know, I'm, I'm here at Ty's conference, and he's, like, can you please come to dinner? And I was, like, okay, but, like, I was on fumes. Because it's, it's, like, 8 in the morning London time or 9 in the morning, and, like, I'd been up all night. And so, like, I barely remember it. And so I'm, I'm glad we didn't meet then. Yeah because I was just exhausted energy and like everyone was like talking to me I wasn't even expecting that many people to talk to me and after a while it's just too much sometimes so and
0: the same thing in hindsight too I wasn't in the right place or frame of mind at that time to meet you so if I had forced it like the situation could have just totally changed and we'd never have met or you know something could have happened that just didn't flow and and uh that's what I feel in life. is like you know sometimes things happen when it's you ripe it's ripe you know the 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 apple falls off the tree when it's ripe, so some people sometimes are trying to force things in life and and it's maybe just not the time at that moment to do what they want to do right. and then there's this ripening process where all of a sudden the tree fall- i mean the apple falls off the tree and it just feels effortless and right now like as much as I'm still putting effort, it doesn't feel like a struggle, you know, because it's just the perfect, like, time, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm always curious about, like, when do you push and when do you not? Because, like, you're right, I mean, when it's ripe, it falls and it flows easily, you know, but sometimes you have to push hard and push yourself. It, it's a fine line, you know, and, and learning that is hard, you know, when you're younger, you always want to force it, and I, my, my whole life I was putting, you know, the square peg through the, the round hole. Yeah. And sometimes it fits, most of the times it it doesn't, you know, and, and Dorian Yates said the same thing, you know, if you try to push against the tide or the current, he's like, you know, you're really gonna lose yeah, at the end of the day. And die. Yeah, and I mean I love conviction and I love, you know, fortitude and you know, you know, I still train and train martial arts and it's like you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that, but you do need to listen to the flow and you know you know listen to that yin and yang. I go back and forth with that, to be honest. I go back and forth between hard work and getting things done no matter what, and then letting things happen in the right time.
0: Yeah, well, you wanna do both. That's been my experience, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to sit back and meditate on something and it's just going to show up, which has happened to me in my life, you know? (laughs) But I I can't, I'm not that consistent, you know, where it's happening like 90 plus percent, you know? So most of the time it's like preparing. So kind of like this interview, I actually like looked up your bio. I like, I have watched all your videos, you know? So I kind of knew where the evolution was in becoming London Real. And then I just like, And almost in preparation, I could see a certain, if you're really, like, clear, you can see, like, certain, like, information that starts, like, flowing in. You're like, that felt pretty effortless. Like, I need to use that and bring that up, you know? So it's just, like, the art. I remember Doreen Yates was talking about the same thing. It's like you are putting forth effort, but you need to be, like, paying attention in the moment to know, like, when to push or when to, like, back off, you know, and, and that's that's the beauty of it, you know, cause it is a mystery and we need to find it out ourselves. Cause I could like tell people about like the different flow triggers and like what the best environment to be in for flow. But really as we like are in our journey, we start to discover like what really works for us, right? Because it's not like a like cookie cutter approach, like everybody's different, but there is something about like putting effort and then knowing when to like back off. It's just like turning the the dial, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, and that's like in a conversation, which is kind of what I do for a living, I guess. Yeah, you really need to be really highly in touch with with what the flow is, what the person's feeling. I mean, sometimes I'll have a load of questions, but sometimes the interview will be over. Like sometimes you feel like, for me, an interview peaks at a certain point, and at the end you're you're just asking questions that are now no longer relevant. Because like it, it, conversation has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and so like um, you need to be aware of the flow of that conversation it
0: can 't be like I
1: need to tick off a, b, c, D, e, and f yeah. to get this done so yeah.
0: and usually people find out that they were in flow until like after the after, fact. Right. And so if you look in hindsight, start connecting the dots, right? And then, like I was going to ask you, like, there are certain distinctions that happen when you're like interviewing people or even just having a conversation. If you're really present, like you can see like eye tracking, you can see like facial physiology change, like breathing, and your field like expands. So you start to see like not only just the body, but like all around. And I don't want to get like too like into the woo and stuff, but you start to see things that are almost kind of matrix-like, okay. you know, with okay. codes and stuff. You know, okay. like you're, you're like getting like more information and data when you're in these like hidden states where you're releasing all these amazing neurochemicals, and 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 you're just like so like present and so like connected with the individual. It's like a feedback loop. You being an engineer. There's like this yeah. feedback loop where like I kind of call it like a toroidal energy where you're just moving through different bases until there's no more resistance between you and the individual. And it almost feels like you have become one. Right. And that's,
1: and that's a flow state like with a person, I guess if you're having a flow state on your own. Like doing something or doing an art, then it 's different
0: well similar it 's just you and the object, right, okay. so whether if you 're like on this the game, uh, the court or like out surfing or with nature, you feel this connection with whatever uh, canvas you 're interacting with, so sometimes the canvas is the person, sometimes it 's the person with the environment, right. like when you guys went to you know the redwoods you know uh, Yosemite where there's like a group flow state, so you're with like multiple people and you're in big nature. Like it's pretty profound. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's true. It's, I'm just thinking about it now in all these different ways. And, you know, in some of those focus groups, they feel like they're flowing. Like the one you were at, honestly, almost everyone we've had so far, including the one in San Francisco. Like for me, it feels like, wow. Like, I don't know, for me, it just feels like all these new people are sharing this information. And like we had ours on a, Thursday night. Thursday Thursday night, night. and I just was thinking like, there's no, uh, there's no music, there's no booze, there's none of this, but like, this has got to be one of the best nights most people are having like the whole year. Now maybe I'm being crazy, but like, I was like, wow, everyone's like opening up, they're learning about themselves, they're forcing themselves to get up and talk about
0: themselves. I don't know, I just feel like there's a lot of flow. I think that when there is vulnerability and people are sharing their stories so like that night when I was in London I like shared this like crazy story that like everybody was kind of like forced to step up their game as you would say and oh, yeah, was, yeah. yeah.
1: you really made everyone step up their game
0: yeah yeah
1: and some people it's like I feel I feel like for our focus groups like it's okay if some people are a little uncomfortable I feel like it's okay if some somebody's in, maybe in a bad state when they're talking about something hard, because I feel like it it forces us all to kind of go somewhere a little hard, a little somewhere a little fun, somewhere a little you know scary, something with a res- resolution, you know. And I don't know, it feels like kind of like a little mini journey. You
0: know, yeah, it's like it. a microcosm of life, you know. Yeah. Because like anytime I hear somebody talk about being like positive all the time, or you know, they never like talk about like feeling guilt or shame or like you know any time that they were defeated in life like to me you're not really being human you're not really sharing like the full spectrum of the human experience and so It doesn't feel real to me when somebody's always, like, on Facebook talking about all the great things in their life and not really sharing, like, what is to be, like, truly human, which is to experience, like, every emotion, including sadness. It's not real realistic to be, like, in a flow state, blissed out, like, all the time. Like, they call that, like, schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's true. I mean, every single guest I've had... Um, I, mean, I remember it was ice Tea that said it's not about to come up it's about to come back so like every single person I've had on the show has had their downside and that's what builds character and that's what shows what you're made of and including myself um, and so like I just, you, don't, you can't believe anyone that is positive all the time. Look, I love being positive. I, I love the expression, what's good when you're gonna say something to someone. I, I love someone that's always thinking that way, but it's not realistic that we're like that all the time and you need to talk about it. And so, like, all my guests have something that went bad, and so I always wanna ask them yeah. because you learn a lot about someone. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to come back from that. It's easy to have hits after hits after hits, but it's like we all come to a point in our life where something doesn't work. And if it doesn't, then you're not reaching big enough and you know, then there's something wrong with you. Like you said, it's a schizophrenia or something, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. something or like,
0: some sort of like mania.
1: yeah, I mean, we, I mean, yeah, you're not reaching hard enough and you should set bigger goals or, you know, even Edo portal who's coming back soon. He was just like, you know, Brian, when your dogma, you know, you catch up with your dogma and it's not what you thought it was, you know, you're like, oh, when I'm this, I will be happy. You know, when I master the one hand, one arm handstand, then I will be this. So, Ido works on that for two years. By the time he gets it, he hates it. He's bored with it, doesn't want to do it anymore, doesn't even know why that was a goal. So, like, we're, all, we're constantly going through these iterations. For me, what was it? 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. When we got it, we didn't even celebrate that day. Like, we didn't even say, great job to everybody because we were already, like, focused on the next goal. And right. We already wanted something else. Now we wanted an academy. Now the academy is much more important than how many views we have. That doesn't even matter anymore. So, it's like, yeah, you got to constantly reevaluate yourself expect to be disappointed with yourself expect to have some hard times expect to have those what is it a midlife crisis that's when your dogma isn't what you thought it was yeah. and you're yeah. going to have this this seismic shift sometimes that happens
0: uh, one of the biggest things i ever heard was like the breakdown always leads to the breakthrough so anytime you like run across like a problem a lot of people quit but like you know it actually is like the time that you should get really excited because you're like that close you 're like what three feet from gold from like coming across that aha epiphany solution yeah. moment, which is like another flow state, you know, and so many people like quit too soon too soon
1: it 's so hard because like the time when you 're frustrated is you 're right it 's the moments of gold because like that 's when great products are created like we 're in the technology center of the world here in San Francisco or I am in London, and it's like when people find frustrations, they call it pain points. And when you find a solution, then then you have a business, for example. Yeah. Uh, and so, like our most frustrating moments for me were our great breakthroughs later. And so, and that's it's so, but it's so hard to realize that when you're in the middle of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, you're so deep in shit, you can't like yeah. see the light. The light, you know? But that's when the learning curve is the strongest. You know, whether it's in martial arts, where I couldn't figure out how to you know, hit the arm bar from Mounts and then finally I got it. Or we continue to have these these things every day, you know, whether it's this or that, or the show or the academy or getting the right people. And you have to remember, yeah, these are the, these are the valuable moments, you're right.
0: And you brought up the academy, right? So one of the greatest things that I've noticed about that I've never seen in any other like kind of school or academy or seminar or whatnot, but the actual like community And the love behind it and the fact that like people are like being vulnerable and there's other people that are actually like sort of like uplifting those individuals like uh, Number one by like leading by example, you know, not just like oh, yeah, woo woo Let's like, you know, you're um, let's be positive and like, you know, encourage you but people are actually like getting shit done, you know, and there's that space of Allowing people to be who they are where now you don't have to worry about like like not being you that you could just Express yourself you almost feel free and at least for me I just find myself getting shit done without anybody really nagging on
1: me Nice, okay good. Uh, This is all feedback for me so the Academy has been open for just over four months, you know, which is hard for me to believe because I was in San Francisco uh, for a conference four months ago when we had like 10 members of the academy. And like, I even remember someone said, why don't we have a meetup of London Realers? And I was like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to do that. Now, four months, fast forward, we've got 20 people in a room that came together to be extremely vulnerable that night and talk about themselves. So like, I don't know, I'm just like super humbled by the academy. I'm super excited. Again, it's like the only metric that matters now because like these, all these people coming together and, you know, we've got over 600 members now. And like you said, they're all being vulnerable. And look, we had this vision of what the Academy was going to be. And we, we wanted to get it, get it up and running. And we knew the social factor was going to be important, but we didn't know how we could build it. And we knew we wanted to have a lot of the ideas that London Real has that we never maybe stated. And we knew that action was important. But, like, nobody wants, like you said, like this woo-woo positive fest where people just post, like, you know, positive Instagram photos and people you know, people don't respond to that. And so like you need to be vulnerable, but then you need to be action-oriented about it and be accountable. And so like if you're feeling that, that makes me like so happy because we're trying to foster that in the academy. But honestly, Tony, I can't control that. There's 630 souls in there. So I can say, guys, I really like the academy to be this, but it's only gonna be what everyone makes it. So hopefully we foster this environment where people can be vulnerable but not get depressed. But you can have a bad day but then hopefully we take some action. And then someone says, Oh, here's my story and this is what I learned or I just noticed that I've been slacking in this and I better do this.
0: So like if if I, I just want to keep this spirit going because it feels like we have something oh, yeah. so important. You kind of primed it with your show about being real in the first place. So you always talk about like, you know, being real is already setting up a filter for, you know, eliminating the chumps from the real deals, right? So all these people from the academy obviously like uh gravitated to like how you are and been following over the years, including me. And that was one of the reasons why I actually had to like go to London. It was worth the trip to see you in person cuz I did get a glimpse of you at the Lopez seminar, but you know, I really wanted to like have a conversation with you and one of the things that you have is these like cocktail hours after the focus group right, yeah. where you know everybody can just like let their hair down have a couple like drinks and then you can really see the true colors you know <laughs>
1: right <laughs> true no it's true it's true um you know you're right about the academy i mean i guess like the, the people that are in the academy first of all they're the hardcore london realers, which means you probably watch 20 episodes or 30 or 40 or 100 i don't know and so that means you sat and listened to all these different points of view and you've listened into unedited, uh, you know, uncut things. So that means, you know, you've sat through the slow moments or the hard moments. And so you've just, you know, I just find that it breeds a certain type of person that's has a lot of empathy, but is curious and that is um, introspective about themselves. That wants to be better, um, but doesn't want to just be entertained. So like right away, you're already talking about super cool people. I'm yeah. telling you, I used to meet these people on the streets or even at Ties Conference. Like all these people were cool. I'm like, wow. They're like, yeah, I watched this. And we all of a sudden start talking about Dorian or talk about this or talk about Dan Pena. And, you know, is he pushing you? Are you getting stuff done? And like all this stuff. Then you take the academy where people are now investing in themselves and investing in the academy. And then they buy in like on another level. And then that's been, I've been just, it's been incredible. Like, you know, the, the focus group you came to, you know, we had booked that like on a whim when we started the academy. I didn't even know what they were going to be. And yet you showed up for that along with you know 15 other people that night, and we've just gone so deep. So like I don't know where this is going. It's hard for me to believe this has been four months. I mean yeah. it, it felt like it feels like a year or something. And I'm changing because like I, I I do these focus groups now. I never did anything like that before. Yeah. So now like I'm present. I'm doing these talks. I'm doing these tribe talks. I'm talking to the people. We're trying to listen to what everyone says and, and get people to meet up. You know, I know you met, uh, Matthew at the last group and yeah. like you guys might now form in a relationship on your own. Absolutely. So like, that makes me super happy that like all these yeah. London Realers are connecting and, uh, you don't need me to be there. Yeah. Um, you don't need to be there talking about me. You guys just need to be figuring out the people you want to meet in your life. You know uh and who you guys want to be a part of it's kind
0: of funny that your academy is turning into a matchmaking site right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know and then you're going hear two people are gonna get married married
1: i know i already thought about that the other day i was like yeah it's gonna happen i'm like uh, and it will happen because like there's some deep stuff going on like even in that meeting on on thursday it was like man everyone's getting real there and so you could see people thinking like, "I want to know more about that person. I want to know about about that person," and they'll contact them. And so, if we can facilitate that, and then people like stepping their lives up and their businesses up, I'm telling you, Tony, like in six months' time, we're gonna look at this academy and we're gonna be like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, now you know when you travel around the world, you'll have academy members that you can lock into, and you know they're gonna be cool. You know they're gonna have time for you. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's going to be so much bigger than I ever thought. You know, we used to have metrics on the show, you know, and and Julian knows this and Dre, who you met, who are the core of our team and Louisa, who does a lot of video and so many others now. Um, But we used to have metrics, you know. I mean, my metric at the beginning of the year, I'll tell you, it was like a million YouTube subs. It was like 10 times what we had. And I used to be so focused on these, like, views and subs. And, you know, now I'm really focused on, like, the Academy. Like, what can we make it do and, like, where are we going to take the show and how can we step it up all, like everywhere so, so i want to
0: like emphasize what you're saying here so basically like you're humble enough to listen to the feedback of the people that are supporting the the lifeblood of like london real and london real academy and so you're getting like in flow stage. you start getting like all this extra feedback that you've never seen before and, and then if you pay attention to this and you're like totally present, you start to see that these things start to take on a life of its own. So you're saying like, I don't know where this gone, but it's kind of fun. I mean, it is fun. And you're just like blown away, like what's happening in the last like four months, which is like another thing I want to emphasize is that it feels like you're living, at least for me, is you're living like multiple lifetime compact compressed in like a shorter time frame so like you go to bed and like i remember philip McKernan was talking about with this like little stinky grin on your face that like holy crap man like i really lived that day i yeah. really lived today and yeah. you really lived like the last four months since you started at academy
1: it's funny so that was the philip McKernan episode which i think came out and then his in-studio videos coming out in the academy in a couple of days but yeah He's like, that's the great day where you sit back right before you went to sleep and you're like, did I just do that today? That was crazy. You know, like, you know, when you know, whatever, you just interviewed the president or whatever you did, or you just did something incredible. I'm like, yeah, if you can have a few of those moments, like that's, that's what you want. And, um, yeah, I, I think, I guess that is a, a, a sign of a flow state. If you're yeah, feeling just- like you have all these multiple lives, like condensed because, What Mariana just told me, she's like, yesterday, she's like, a a year ago, we had dinner with Dan Pena at the Ritz. And I was like, a year ago? That feels like two years, or three years ago. So it was a year ago, I hadn't even been to his castle, I hadn't done any of that stuff. Like, that's crazy.
0: And in the academy, four months ago, that doesn't even seem right. I am warped when you start living like totally in this like present moment. Yeah, and you said two things that
1: just made me think there one is is this constructive criticism like this feedback loop and like i must say i'm finding it more and more valuable like you know at the focus groups everyone tells our story which is great and then in the, and then at the end like we all stand up and take our beating because oh, okay. it's like me and julian andre and it's like what do you want more of and like people don't pull punches in that group <laughs> like everyone place. like everyone loves london real and they're like they they love me and they love the academy but man when it comes to the end of it they're like this sucks this sucks this sucks we want more of this. We want more of this. We want more of this. And you got to really take your lumps. And like on a, on a Friday afternoon when you've been producing shows all week and you're tired and exhausted and it's like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night and you're hearing all this, it's hard. And um, nobody wants to hear um, criticism. We just don't. It's natural. Yeah. And yet um, after every webinar, we turn the cameras off and I go right to Julian and Dre. I'm like, what, what was not good? And we make a big list about what we didn't do right on that, on that webinar. And we're always making notes about what was bad, what was bad, what was bad. And so if I would say to anybody, just really try to force yourself to get that constructive you know, criticism. And uh, just really push people for it. Your friends, your family. And just say, what could I do differently? You know, the surveys are really important. You know, I met with a tech guy in London the other day. And he came over as a favor just to help us out for a couple hours. He sent me a feedback form. Which was like a a thing he did with everyone he met like even if it wasn't a business transaction like i said he was doing me a favor by coming to my studio and giving us some advice on the academy and it was a feedback form saying what could i have done better how could i have been more present how could. and then like i was like that's someone at the top of their game Yeah, yeah and uh now that you're saying that with flow state it makes sense if you can just man up and take it um and look i'm on the internet and so i get lots of people say bad things to me on youtube and on twitter and like I'm kind of over it, it doesn't bother me. But um, I'm telling you, even those people are telling you things that are the truth about you. And if someone's going out of their way to say, you know what, I don't like the new London Real, Brian. I don't like the way the Academy is. I liked it better when the old days. It's like, you got to listen to that. And I got to hear, I'd be like, I hear you, buddy. Okay, I know in this case that the Academy is super powerful energy and I know where I'm going, but I'm listening to you and I know you want that. So tell you what, I'm going to be present and I'm going to get back to you in the next 3 months and I'm going to make sure the show guides back to that way too. You know?
0: It just reminds me just to finish up on this, yeah. but basically like Robert Greene's like series of books including like Mastery, it's just really listening to those like constructive criticism like those are the blind spots. And I think that blind spots are also like the gateway into like flow or the sweet spots of life too. So, you know, it's just fascinating that, well, when again, I talked about your humility, the ability to listen, but that's to me what like business is all about. Like you're, you're providing value to your customers. You're giving what your customers want. And the hardest part is just like trying to figure out like who to listen to, like, the majority of the time so is there something that you do in particular that helps filter like the trolls that are just trying to like poke at you and get a response to like the legitimate like concerns that your uh, your viewers and customers have?
1: good question. You know, I had the technology show, Silicon Reel, and so that's all about tech startups. And that's when I learned about even doing the focus group and then just listen to your customers. And that's an easy thing to say, listen to your customers. And like anybody who's been a businessman, and I know you have and you are, is that like, you know you got to listen to your customers, especially a startup or an entrepreneur, because that, that's the most valuable information, like bar none. And yet an entrepreneur has to have a vision and you're like, I'll tell the customer what they want. Most startups, they don't listen. They actually just don't. They're like, this is my vision and this is what it's going to be. But the only reason we did that is because I had that tech background because of that show. So we just started listening. And like, it's hard to listen. You know, you got to really listen. And so the Academy members, they are paying for this Academy, which it's an interesting relationship because it means not only, yeah, you're getting paid, but that's like only the beginning of It's that someone's investing their money and their time in something they believe that that is going to be bigger. And so like, if you listen to them and then build what they say, like, that's precious, precious information that I'd say most companies even ignore these days. And so like, we learned that early on and so we've really tried to listen even though it's hard because like, we have this vision. And so just having the focus groups are important because they come into your studio, they come into your space and they tell you and tell you. So even if you don't want to listen, you're not going to have to. Because these people, they say the same message week after week and finally you're like, guys, subconsciously you're hearing it. So we try to do that, listen, and then for the people that are giving us uh, comments on YouTube, you know, we hear it all. Trust me. Like, I don't read every comment, but like Julian does or Mariana does. And if, if they start feeling that 5% or 10% of the audience are saying the same thing, trust me, I know about it. And about so it. I hear about it. And finally someone will just say, you know, uh, people are saying this. And it's just like, Okay. And then if you hear the same thing two weeks later same thing four weeks later well guess what they're right and um you know i, I told olive because Olive started new york real and she's like brian how do i know where to listen and when do I, I do feedback i'm like look olive you know where you're going so go where you're going but you know listen you know make make small adjustments to what people are saying you know and then also some of it's to toughen you up as well you know
0: so let's end on uh the final note uh please tell everybody, the viewers, what is your vision and perhaps maybe it's evolved or it is, I mean, obviously it's evolving, but what is your vision right now? Uh, in
1: general, for my life, for, the, for London Real, for what, yeah. everything? Yeah. You know, like you said, I, the last four months have just been incredible and like, I don't know where we're going, but I know where we're going is awesome. And so I just want to make sure that we keep doing that and I don't want to try to control it too much. I've done that in the past where I just try to control everything about my life and control people and the this and the that. It's just like, it's, it's, it's pointless. So the, the idea is to like keep the energy flowing, to keep taking risks, to keep putting myself into uncomfortable places, You know, like starting the academy or getting out in front and doing webinars. Like I never done a webinar until say 12 weeks ago. And now to come out and do these focus groups, um, I wanna get out and meet more people, Like go to more focus groups around the world. Like, because I learn a lot by being in San Francisco and, and and feeling the the vibe and listening to what people are saying. So, I think the feedback loop is super important and one I didn't know about then. And to just find out where this academy is, we don't know what it is yet. We don't even know what London Real is yet. And so, like, you know, <laughs> I don't know what it is yet. You know, it's some place where we're all going. Everyone is feeling this vibe. We're we're selecting these people, and it's super important to remember that. And you're you're gonna feel this with Flow FlowReel, is that you're not gonna get everybody and you don't want everybody. And uh, this goes back to my TED talk when like my friends and family wouldn't like my Facebook page for London Reel. Yeah, right. And I'm telling you, Tony, the same thing happened with the Academy. We started the Academy, you know, it's $99 a quarter, and I was like all my friends, I'm like, my three best friends, I'm like, Are you gonna sign up? And you know, they don't they don't sign up. And I'm like, these are my best friends, you know, and I'm like, they don't sign up and I'm like, and I'm like gosh. And I'm like, you know that what? Oh, it's heartbreaking, yeah. but you know what? It's feedback. And it's a pain point and you should listen to it. And here's the message. They're not your customers. Go find the people that are, again, in your tribe. Go find the people you haven't met yet that are like you. Go find the Tonys in the world or the Brendas in the world or the Olives in the world. Those are the people you really wanna meet. You already have your best friends, you have your family. They'll always be your friends and family, but you wanna find like your tribe members. Yeah. And so it's important to remember that's not gonna be 100,000 of them, You know, even if it's 10. You know or a hundred or 1, you know these are all that's a lot so if you can find these people and self-select them by you being yourself with your own message right. um then that's the most valuable thing ever because look I, I, four years ago there was no london Reel and i, I felt like i was a hermit now compared to what i am now you know all my friends were in banking they were my clients you know they were in the same mentality i was we were all trying to get paid like we were all chasing this goal that didn't seem to ever go anywhere you know, now I meet people that are awesome and cool. And it's because I'm being myself and I'm being genuine. I'm in the flow. I'm being Brian and I'm doing everything that I love doing and I'm being myself. And like, look who it attracts, all these awesome people. And yet when I had this false goal before of, I'm going to make a million, I'm going to make 10 million, I'm going to make a hundred million, I'm going to be a billionaire. That's what everyone's dream these days. I'm going to be a billionaire. You know, where is that getting you, you know, and then who are you going to be? You know ask guys like tim Ferriss. most of the billionaires he meets are really unhappy people that are really petty about not being richer than the other billionaire i mean like look i guess what i'm trying to say is is that i don't know where we're going but i know like our core values of what we need to do to get there so keep the academy awesome keep the people in it awesome if the people aren't right they gotta go uh don't try to build it too quick keep london real amazing keep pushing myself to like go harder go bigger go better think about different things we can do, make it more interactive, make more ways of people coming together, facilitate you meeting the next 10 people in your life that are gonna change your life. And um, I just think if we if we do that, all this good stuff's gonna happen. I'm 44, I probably got another 44 years left of, of where I'm conscious of that. Yes. So like, it needs to be just pure awesomeness. It doesn't really matter how much money we're gonna make, it doesn't matter how many subscribers I'm gonna have, it's just, I really feel like I got a limited amount of time. It just needs to all be uh, awesome and incredible. And I'm so grateful to London Real. I'm grateful to London Real. I don't feel like I own it, it feels like it owns me. I'm grateful to what it, it, it's become and what, who it's brought me in touch with. And I feel like I just need to be a servant of London Real and make sure it keeps going and keeps flowing. You know? <laughs> I mean, London Real should be in a flow state. In a way, it feels like it is now. Yeah. It's got the site, it's got the studio, it's got the academy, it's got the meetups. Like It needs to keep flowing. Yeah, it needs to keep doing new things. Like We don't even know what it's going to do. Like When you're surfing and you're out there and you're in the zone, you don't even know what you're going to do. And you pull something off and you're like, man, I didn't even think I was going to do that. If yeah. you would try to prepare to do that, you wouldn't have pulled it off. Yeah. And all of a sudden, just boom, that just happened. So yeah. I guess we should think about what you're thinking about
0: absolutely man yeah i think that's the the medicine of the future future.
1: i think you're right man and i love what you're doing i love everything you're doing first of all thank you very much. and so uh you know it's been an honor meeting you and knowing you and my family getting to meet you and all that but i just i love the idea of talking about the flow state and people thinking about the flow state because it is a way of thinking about consciousness it's almost a better way and these words like meditation consciousness psychedelic spirituality People have their own bents on them, but flow seems like something people can get excited about. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And with the science, science coming on board, and board and with, board, and with neuroscience and technology, it's making it it's the woo-woo actually, woo actually tangible. tangible. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, ways there's ways people that people change. can, it's bridging it's the gap between and like and the, the woo-woo, the woo-woo so, to science. Uh, science, you know, people and, and people can relate to that more. And I feel like flow is the future. It is the
1: future. And think about it. We all want to be around people that are flowing. And we want to be ourselves that are flowing, Absolutely. and we know people that flow, and we know people that don't flow, yeah. and it's like you can t- you could spot them in a room in a
0: room oh yeah uh, yeah, um, they just have that like glow about them yeah. right? and yeah. we all
1: have it, and we've that X factor yeah, and we've all had it, we've all had points in our yeah. life when we had it i I've, I can remember when I didn't have it, yeah. and I remember it distinctly, and I always remember that. Yeah. so it's like we all can be there, so um, why not surround yourself with as much flow as possible and get Absolutely. yourself into the flow so?
0: Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show You're Welcome, man. and uh, enjoy the rest of your trip at San Francisco. I look forward to more flow with you in the future and um, I'm so grateful for our time here. My pleasure.
1: Um, all the best with Flow Real. You're a great interviewer, uh, great vibe. I felt like we were flowing the whole time, so uh, it was a lot of fun to be on here. Like I said, I don't do uh, this very much, but I'm really glad I did it. So uh, look, just do me a favor. Keep these consistent i want to see flow real number 100 coming up and uh you know no excuses and that's, that's all i got to say and then you know we'll be talking about that in in a couple of years and boom you'll be you know knocking these things off in three digits i think it's a great thing to do and we were talking earlier you know if you make this part of your life then it becomes something in your life and it just becomes part of you and i'm telling you the the people i take you could delete all my video views on youtube right now but just the people i've met in the last four years have changed my life just through talks and conversations so uh i think the same thing's gonna happen to you
0: i appreciate it thanks for putting me on the spot and uh (laughs) it's what i do definitely uh (laughs) uh, keep my word word on on that one for sure man man. this is just just too fun to give up awesome Awesome, buddy. so So, cool man thank you all right dude dude. i